Here we are. Happy Friday to everybody. Uh, welcome to another meetup. This is our fifth meetup of the week that we're doing here in the Data on Kubernetes community. My name is Bart Farrell, if you don't know me already. Uh, we can get some links on my screen so you can check us out, the Data on Kubernetes community, our website, our Slack, our LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, we're always open to meet with as many different people as possible. We have a very special guest with us today for our 36 meetup, um, which is a profile of folks that we need to get more of on our meetups. So I was just talking about with Kunal. Um, the Kubernetes space is very big in every sense, geographically speaking, culturally speaking, in terms of languages. It's our goal to create as many meetups in as many different languages as possible. I'll have to find out how many languages you speak Kunal because that's another asset. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Um, and today, unfortunately, uh, I would say, unfortunately, we have to remind everybody, but it's, we're very proud to do this, that we stand shoulder to shoulder with the CNCF. Um, in solidarity with the recent unfortunate events related to attacks on Asian and, um, and AAPI uh, colleagues, totally inappropriate. We do not tolerate intolerance. We stand 100% against that. When we talk about community, we talk about community in every sense of the word. We're not talking about just in a technical sense and a technological sense. We're talking very much in a human sense. And that's something we can touch on later because one of the things that Kunal mentioned about Kubernetes that makes it so different is the community aspect. And I wanna know more about your perspective of exactly what that means. Anyway, we're here with Kunal, who is a very dynamic young person who's extremely active in a lot of different things. I don't think we're gonna have enough time to talk about all of them or probably not even half of them. Um, people tell me that I'm involved in a lot of stuff. I found out about Kunal, I think through LinkedIn, through some Red Hat folks, about seeing some stuff you were involved in. And it was very clear, I need to get in touch with this person. I need to see what's going on. Kunal, welcome to the Data on Kubernetes Community Meetup. Very happy to hear, uh, very happy to have you here with us today. Who are you and what are you doing? Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me, Bart. Really excited to be here. And I really appreciate the work you're doing with the uh, DOK community. Uh, so yeah, uh, my name is Kunal. I'm a junior from India. I've been contributing to open source since I was in my freshman year. And uh, yeah, I was just like, uh, the way I started was I was like, uh, well, I, imagine this, like a, a young person just starting out with college and was learning like uh, tools and frameworks and languages and all these things. So the thing that I lacked was like, okay, I have chosen computer science as a career, but I'm, do I'm not doing cool things, right? Uh, I, I've seen in like movies and stuff like, you know, computer people are like making cool things and, you know, uh, working on projects that are being used by people around the world. So that's when I was attending this webinar by uh, Red Hat and they mentioned something about open source. I didn't know about what that was. So I started like, uh, okay, started seeing like, oh, such large scale projects. Uh, I, I was, I've been using all my life and I did not know about open source. For example, VLC, right? Chromium, Firefox. So then I was like, okay, let's try this out. And I was looking for projects uh, in terms of like uh, uh, Java related projects. So found this like Java client by uh, Kubernetes Java client by Red Hat, uh, middleware, just JBoss community. And I was like, whoa, what the, like, how am I going to contribute to this? Like, imagine I was a freshman that time. And when I saw the GitHub repo, I was like, I can't do this. You know, this is not going to work out <laughs> because the code was so overwhelming for me. But that's when the community came in. So the community was like, you know, it's cool. You know, take your time, learn about Docker, learn about kids, here are a few resources, uh, Dockerize your own application, so on and so forth. And that's when I realized like, Open source is for everyone. And the second thing I realized was the, uh, that every contribution counts. And ever since then, I haven't like stopped. And uh, there's two things to everything that I do. One is working on nice projects, real world projects that are actually, you know, helping people, helping the community in one way or the other. And second thing is just, uh, you know, 
helping the community basically so that i do in terms of like uh, in my sophomore year i got this hang of teaching so i really like teaching uh, i teach a lot of people i conduct webinars workshops go to events i meet meet a lot of nice people say so, yeah, i believe uh, if it like uh, open source we'll talk more about that later is much more than just coding it's also about the community aspect of the organization so yeah uh, we're looking forward to talking more about uh, data on kubernetes and thanks for having me over here but and the entire community very very good so let's just take that a little bit further because you mentioned open source. What are the things that you think that a lot of folks your age might not know about open source contributing to projects like that that they should know? And then some of the barriers that they might encounter that could be improved. The first one is imposter syndrome, right? So when they first mm. look at the project, they're like, this is so big and this is such an overwhelming project. But they don't realize that even the most complex projects, see that the simple example is beginner friendly issues exist for a reason. right and uh, there's one more point like uh, you don't even have to be a coder in order to contribute to open source i mean talking about kubernetes itself right there are so many so many important roles that do not require coding right so that is something that you know students have a misconception about like uh, there's this thing they are stuck in which is called the tutorial hell so basically what they're trying to do is let me first finish this entire course and then i'll contribute let me first finish this entire playlist and let me just become a master in golang then i'll contribute or something like that but the way i look at it is you should follow a learn by doing approach learn by contributing learn while contributing because the community is there to help you and uh, there i can go on and on regarding what issues students face you know when first starting out with contribution code seems overwhelming they are having a having trouble you know finding good first issues they are just shy for example they are not interacting with the organization they feel shy in just you know sending a dm on the group channel or like a, a message on the group channel so a lot of things are over there when we are first talking about like when when a new student you know who has not been introduced to open source gets an idea about it and that's when they start by you know uh, uh they have this like the, the students that i interact with they ask me hey kunal i know python can you suggest me like so if i can do open source contributions or not i'm like yeah definitely you can but if you look at any of these you know nice nice projects such big projects they're not just using one thing right they're using so many things and i believe that if you find yourself in a place to all the students out there uh if you find yourself in a place where you don't know much about the things that are being used in the project you can take that as an in an optimistic way because two things now you'll get to learn new things and you also get to contribute right so if you're working on a one project that you know already uh, everything about already so you're not getting to grow your skill set right you're not getting to experiment and that is what i mentioned about open source it's a really great way to get real world experience from the comfort of your home especially from a student's point of view and the community is there to help you you just have to have an open mind to learn and you know ask questions collaborate and you know start with beginner friendly issues and contribute in any way you can does not even have to be like code at first you can just you know get involved and uh, improve the documentation for example documentation is something an organization cannot get enough of right <laughs> so improve the documentation and go to events network with people write a blog teach about it to other people you know just be active in the community and then like we'll talk more about like how to get started with the coding part of open source and stuff for example like you can look at the test cases write some nice test cases for the project and looking at the test cases is also a great way to understand the structure of the project so all these things are like uh, I, i talked about a lot of things that student face and uh, i believe like uh, many communities are uh, tackling this issue pretty well 
because they are you know very welcoming first of all to newcomers for example the cncf ecosystem and there have been so many open source programs started by so many organizations like you know outreach uh, google there's a google summer of code Good. there's a linux foundation mentorships you know and uh, so many other other uh, open source programs so i believe that's great as well but yeah that's a bit about it no i think it's i think it's very very good points and i think it's also really important as you mentioned that there are many different roles i think that everybody has a part to play and that was one of the things that i learned as well through now being in the contributor experience sig and you're also <laughs> there as well too in the cncf we have later we have the meeting later today is yep. that you don't have to have 10 years of programming experience or even mm -hmm. one year of programming experience really what it requires is one hour a week to attend a meeting and that's enough and even if you can't because of time zone differences and now there's more asynchronous communication you can be involved in lots of different ways i think for a lot of people it's just like you can just go be an observer be a listener be enthusiastic mm -hmm. Um, and you will be welcomed. And that spirit of welcoming, I think, is really, really important mm. beyond just the technical side, but just on the human side. Because I, I can imagine mm. you're interacting with people from how many, how many different countries every week? I, I have lost count. You probably don't even know. <laughs> but if you had to guess, five, <laughs> ten, how many? Uh, I would say eight or eight, nine, something like that. Yeah. And, and with that, you get lots of knowledge from those people, from mm. those experiences. What are the things that you've learned since you started working on open source projects? So yeah, the, the thing that I have learned is like, uh, you know, from a student's point of view, open source has helped me quite a lot, uh, both in terms of like getting opportunities and, uh, you know, uh, networking with a lot of people and learning from other people. So uh, open source has been just a very important part of my career in my first uh, you know, few years of colleges, uh, college that I have had, I mean, my junior year right now. So like when we are graduating in 2022. So yeah, the things that I have learned, I'm going to like summarize that uh, I don't have to be, you don't have to be a pro to contribute to open source. You can learn on the go and you can just, you know, uh, the, the important point over here is like uh, learning how to ask good questions is also something that I have learned via open source. So learning how to go ask good questions and uh, giving and receiving feedback. So the importance of giving and receiving feedback, uh, being, a, you know, working with a team, for example, and uh, working towards, uh, you know, uh, a goal and working in a community, for example. And uh, there's this quote I really like, which is like, no one is async unless everyone is async. So mm. most, mostly I get questions like, uh, someone is asking you a question. Mostly students do this. They are just like sending, they, they will just send you a hi, right? And then 12 hours, of, 12 hours, 12 hours have passed. And then you see that high and then you send them a high and now 24 hours have passed, but your doubt isn't still resolved. So that is what I tell the you know students, like learn how to ask good questions. And in order to receive good feedback, that is also something I've learned from open source is you have to provide enough context, right? So if you're just like, Hey, facing this issue, what do I do? So that's not a good way to ask a question, right? You can be like, mm. I did this, this is the issue I faced. This is what I tried, but I'm still getting this error. What do I do over here? And that will let you, that, that will let the uh, you know people at the who are working with the project, the maintainers and the community members resolve your doubts much more efficient way. But from a skill set point of view, I've, I've learned both technical skills from open source and uh, soft skills as well. I went to KubeCon in San Diego uh, in 2019. That nice. was amazing. Met a lot of nice people. Met Dims and a lot of a lot of amazing people I met uh, from the community. And there was this diversity uh, event lunch we had. There was this amazing party which was. Uh, uh, Kate's or die. And, uh, it was a really nice party. It was like a really fun environment over at KubeCon. Uh, hopefully like, I don't know when we are going to have another 
you know, in-person event, but really looking forward to it. But yeah, I, I, after that, I've been also attending a few KubeCon uh, virtual events. And uh, I also got to be a part of one of the talks. That was amazing. Like uh, shout out to the Prometheus community, Bartek and Julius and everyone. They were like, you know, uh, we should do a podcast sort of a thing for KubeCon. So in KubeCon Europe last year, we did like a podcast sort of thing and I was hosting that session. So that was a great experience. So yeah, the whole thing I've learned is like the community is very welcoming. And to summarize, if you're doing good work, it will get noticed, right? And if you're doing good work and you're helping others, it's not about, you know, it's not about like, uh, uh, basically what I'm trying to say is that if you're doing good work, if you're learning, it's, it's going to help you as well, both in terms of, let's say, you know, improving your technical skills, having a, you know, good work experience from a student's point of view, because I see like in freshman year and sophomore year, students are like, hey, I'm not getting any, getting any internships because I don't have anything to put on my resume. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like mostly internships in India happen in around junior year, right? So for the first two years, students don't really have much options for internships in like big companies. I was fortunate enough to find out about open source from a very early stage. So by the end, I'm in my third year right now. So till now I have had like, so many things on my resume and everything on my resume is open source. So That's, I have a question about that though stuff. too, is that yep. what is the role of universities in all this? Should universities be promoting, you know, open source options more to students at an early age? Most definitely. I think like, see, the, in university, I don't know about other countries, but like yeah, in but India, yeah, but this is like, uh, I believe common to, because everyone has to submit projects, right? That is, I believe, mm-hmm. common to every, every particular uh degree in various colleges. So what happens over here is that uh, they just require us to submit a certificate, right? Now that particular certificate does not really have enough proof that the student has actually, you know, learned or contributed in a project, right? So you can just go to some online certification course, uh, let's say like Udemy or something, and then you can just take the certificate and show it to your teacher and then you get marks. That is what's happening in my college at least and <laughs> in a lot of colleges as well. as well. Open source, on the other hand, there's proof of concept, right? Mm. On GitHub, there's no, uh, no, there's this like, on GitHub, it's like plain and simple, right? Everything is visible and you can show your skill set and all the commits and everything, history of your graph and everything. So I believe having that as an alternative uh, in order to showcase, hey, you had your summers, right? What did you do in summers? Well, I, I contributed this nice open source project. You can see this is the PR I got merged and so many events I rendered and so many contributions I did. I mean, that's a great thing to, uh, include. Um, in my college, like I have been doing this, uh, I'm promoting this with other students as well. So I'm like, you can definitely put your open source contributions in your resume because that counts as a valid work experience, right? You're engaging with organization, contributing to a really big project. Right. And yeah. that is very, is very important for a student to get real world experience and open source is a great way to do that. And it's like, you will also get so many opportunities via open source, right? If people are recognizing the great work you're doing, like reach out to them, right? Hey, uh, I've been contributing this project. I see that your organization is working on this and that. I've been contributing to this for so much time. And do you have any like internship openings or something like that? That's, I believe, totally fine because they are, I mean, obviously people need good people, right? In our, for their uh, roles and responsibilities. And so, mm-hmm. so if you're doing good work in public, if you're doing these open source contributions stuff, so yeah, definitely you can, you know, uh, reach out to a lot of people. I think it's a great point. Yeah, I think that's it is, is, is be open about it because that way you're establishing a track record. People can see what you've worked on. If you're applying for a job or applying for an internship, you don't have to believe me. Go look at my repos, go look at my contributions. (laughs) These other people can tell you what I'm doing. Um, So I think it's a great, a great piece of advice for young people. And it's never too early to start. Once again, all you have to do is attend 
attend some meetings, check out the documentation, ask questions. Like you said, learn how to ask the right questions by giving context and, hmm. and also understanding as well, a very important point that you mentioned that's difficult for young people or can be challenging and challenging for everybody. Feedback, getting as well as giving. Um, sometimes one can be more difficult than the other or you know the opposite. Um, and being transparent and knowing that people aren't telling you things to make you feel bad. They're telling you mm. those things to help you improve. Um, so, so mm. understanding the mindset that needs to go in there. Now let's move it. Let's move it over more towards Kubernetes. You mentioned mm. about when you learned about Kubernetes in our uh, brief conversation on LinkedIn, but when did you first hear about Kubernetes? I first about like heard about like Kubernetes, uh, when I was attending a session by Red Hat, it was by definition, something, uh, it was like, uh, intro to gates, I believe, something related to containers and stuff. So I didn't know much about it. I was just attending and like seeing what questions people were asking and what, what all things are happening. So I, I knew about like virtualization and stuff, but I did not know about containerization. This was in the uh, end of my, so, uh, of my freshman year. So then I just went online as, and I saw like, okay, what are some nice projects that I can contribute to in Java? Because I, I love Java. And uh, currently I'm like, uh, one thing that I summed up from KubeCon was, if you want to contribute to CNCF projects, like most of the projects are in Golang. So I'm now learning Golang as well. But uh, in my freshman year, I was like uh, really, really into Java. And I'm st I, still am, I still am. So I was looking for projects related to Java. And this one I found like the uh, Fabricate IO Kates client uh, mm -hmm. for Java. So basically it allows us to like uh, manage Kubernetes resources by uh, writing code in Java basically. So I just looked at the community and I just you know started using the project because that is a very important point if you don't use the project right so if you don't know what the project does you will find it very difficult to contribute <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so before even going to the contribution part or anything like that just use it like what what the project is doing go to the documentation and try to use it as a as a uh, you know as a, as a user mm -hmm. and then after that i started with like uh, just going through the repo looking at the test cases asking questions and doubts simultaneously i was learning about kates and docker and all these things like OpenShift and stuff and like mm -hmm. Maven and Java related things. Uh, so I was learning about all these things like simultaneously. And then I started like contributing with like the documentation and some examples in Java and uh, some test cases I wrote. And uh, that's how I started basically. And then, when, then I applied to Google Summer of Code and then I was selected in uh, Google Summer of Code when I contributed to the, in the same project, I added some nice, uh, nice, nice, uh, uh, I would say valid contributions. Like, uh, I mean, definitely every contrib every contribution counts. This was more like a serious contribution sort of thing, like uh, adding support for new resources, you know, like uh, like subject access review and template service catalog. All these things were missing support in back in the time in that particular mm -hmm. resource. So I added support in the in the Kate's client for these resources. And then when uh, at KubeCon, I believe in China, KubeCon China, this project was mentioned, like. Uh, and that when I was watching that talk, I felt good. Like the code I'm writing is actually being used by so many people, right? So after that, my mentor was like, uh, "Hey, there's this thing called KubeCon, my GSOC mentor," and he was like, "You should definitely, you know, uh, look at it. And uh, since you're active in the community, it will be really beneficial for you. You can meet a lot of people, learn about a lot of things, and there's this diversity scholarship sort of thing you can fill out." I did that. I got selected. Then I went to KubeCon and I met a lot of nice people. Attending the Kate's Contributor Summit, which was a lot of nice, uh, got a got a like, nice insights on that. And yeah, over there I just saw like the community was really welcoming. They had like different different tracks as well. So they had like a complete beginner track, and they had another intermediate sort of a track. 
so that's when i realized like the community is very inclusive over here and even beginners can contribute to you know such nice projects and yeah ever since then i've been involved in open source and communities and what advice would you or what what do you think of the typical doubts that young people have when they hear about kubernetes that oh this is too overwhelming i don't have the skill level to get there there's no way i can get in obviously that hasn't been your case but what are the doubts that you think that people might have or maybe similar to what you mentioned earlier about open source projects about uh, imposter syndrome, giving, getting feedback, maybe the similarities, differences. What, what do you think is out there in terms of doubts? In terms of doubts, yeah. So when we're talking about like Kates, so it's not just like a container orchestration engine, right? It's much more than that. It supports like automation, you know, deployment, scaling, scaling, and you're managing your, you know, applications and stuff. So yeah, uh, this is a doubt that people have. Like it's a containerization, a container orchestration engine. It is much more than that. It's also like, uh, you know, mentioned on the website, you can have like, automatic rollouts and there's like storage orchestration load balancing mm-hmm. uh, configuration management secrets and like authorizations and like uh, you can also manage your ci workloads there's like uh, self healing horizontal scaling and so on and so forth many many things are provided over here so that's the one thing that i would mention other thing is from a student's point of view when we hear about kubernetes uh, it's it's good to like see kates is amazing right a lot of people are using it and a lot of people are also not using it Right, mm-hmm. right. So it's 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 definitely about like we're talking about like microservice infrastructures, right? So it totally depends on what the use case of your you know project or your company is, because not everyone is using Kates. Many people are also using like uh, more abstract layer tools, right, which handles everything in in the back end. There, some are using more hybrid infrastructures. Some are using more like you know di- dynamic infrastructures, and some are using like more you know I want more control over my you know infrastructure, like uh, the infrastructure as code. Uh, like uh, infrastructure as a service, uh, platform as a service, software as a service. So to sum up, like it totally depends on like your uh, use case. Okay, that's that's pretty much about it. Uh, if you need more control, you can have like more, you know, like infrastructure based service. And uh, if you need like, if you just want to worry about the code that you're writing and don't want to manage like all the nitty gritty part of servers and resources and all these things, basically paying for what you're using. There's one more thing that is really, uh, I'm getting interested in right now, which is serverless. Right, paying for what you're using—that's also pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, regarding that from a like uh, from a learning point of view, most definitely you can uh, go ahead with Kubernetes. Try to experiment with it, and it's not like you have to be a pro expert to you know just uh, get in to get involved in the community. Like I mentioned, it's sort of like getting repetitive, but <laughs> learn while you're contributing. Explore no, but it's while true, you're contributing. And, and I can yeah. say the same thing is because like you really, if you're if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, uh, you can get in a SIG right now. You just have to go to the Kubernetes yeah. Slack. If you try to yourself and say like, "Hey, I'm interested in doing this," somebody will reach out and help you. That's it. That's all you got to do. Basically, yeah. If you try to go to every single, if you go to the Kubernetes documentation, like there's a nice tutorial and stuff. So many resources are there for Kubernetes. So many objects that are available over there. If you try to be a master in like every single one of those before contributing, it's going to take a lot of time, right? And it's not really uh, efficient as well. So learn on the go, and there are so many SIGs, right? Literally, for SIGs, I would suggest watch the Contributor Summit videos on YouTube. It's uh, it gives a really nice understanding of how to uh, go ahead with the with the exploration part. Those videos are really helpful. But yeah, to sum up, just get started, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that's 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 what I would suggest. Very very good. Now, um, if we're gonna take this a little bit further on the on the technical side. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, our community is very much interested, was created based on, on this idea of how can you run stateful workloads on Kubernetes? What are the best ways to do that? Of course. 
as you said, apart from that as a more of a niche topic, um, whether or not someone's going to use Kubernetes or not, that's once again, uh, based on use mm -hmm. cases, based on needs, scenarios, all those different things. But in uh, for you, um, when were you, when did you first encounter the idea of data on Kubernetes? Was it about persistent volume? Was it about storage, um, stable versus stateless? How did you encounter that? What are the things that came to mind? What do you think about that in general? Yeah. So let's talk about, like you mentioned, stateful versus stateless, right? So the thing is like, basically like uh, when we're talking about stateful applications, so containers don't, you know, if your container is storing some, some sort of a data, right? Inside the container and containers are basically like, you know, just your uh, isolated environment, your, let's say your, uh, you have like so many things running and you're like, this is something like, uh, you might've heard about like, it works on my machine, right? <laughs> but it's not working on your machine. So basically containers, you can think like a box and you put all the things like the code and the dependencies and everything, database, front end, back end, and ship, and you ship that container to your friend, right? Okay, try to run this and now it will make sure that it's running. So that is like, it's like in terms, I can go on and on about this, like virtualization versus containerization. So containers are like, we, we don't need like a separate operating system. We could can mm -hmm. run on top of like the host operating system, which makes it really fast, for example. But uh, talking about like, uh, when did I first encounter like the data on Kubernetes part. So yeah, when we're talking about data on Kubernetes, so if your container dies, for example, so the data in it is also gone. But uh, that is the reason, like uh, when we're talking about stateful applications, so the key point to keep in mind over here is that it requires persistent storage. Now, what do we mean by that is that uh, uh, you have so many containers running and uh, if any one of the containers, you know, stop working and it restarts the container, your data will not be lost. Why? Because it's stored in some third-party volume, right? So some hard disk or like cloud provider or something like that. But now there's a limitation to this because now this requires more work and uh, more likely like a state management system or something like that. And uh, also one more thing is like many uh, many applications now being that are now being deployed in the containers, uh, they were not written with containerization in mind because it's relatively new, right? So there's lot, like a lot of overhead in order to convert this into, uh, most of the time what happens is like, uh, uh, if you want to convert uh, such an application, uh, uh, you know, there's like a completely a redesign on the fundamental architecture. So hence in this case, statefulness can be a better choice because uh, why do we even use like, let's talk about stateless applications. So stateless, stateless application are mostly like, like do not store the data of the application or the state of the, you know, your Kubernetes cluster. Uh, in a, in like a persistent storage. What is the advantage of this? It's the advantage is uh, pretty simple. Like uh, this is a very simple uh, uh, architecture, for example. So you don't have to worry about all the states and all these things. And you don't have to worry about these uh, container. Okay, if my container dies and some other containers get started, uh, will it affect like, uh, you know, other containers or other mm -hmm. volumes? No, you don't have to worry about that. A good example for this can be a front, a fronted application can be stateless. Right. So you can deploy multiple replicas for that and it can increase the availability. And, you know, let's say more people are using your app so you can scale it up, not more people are using it. So you can, you know, scale it down. And, you know, that is how it is. And regarding these containers and like pods, pods is like the basic scheduling unit in Kubernetes. So it, it does not have like a unique identification. Right. It does not mean like, okay, if this pod is died, so I cannot like, if I need to start some new pod, I would have to work with uh, you know, I would have to transfer that data to the new pod or something like that. That is not what, what is happening in stateless apps. And that is the advantage of it, that it's pretty simple. But on the other hand, like uh, in stateful applications, uh, this is the case. Like, uh, you know, when the data is uh, 
when the data is like uh, uh, there's this thing called the CAP theorem. So, for example, if you modify an entry in database one, uh, mm-hmm. there's a database. You modify an entry over there with the pod one, and now when you access the same database from pod two, obviously two things should happen. You should get the data that was modified, right? Or you should get an error message. Now that is known as like your uh, consistency. But this is uh, getting you know in the way of availability because uh, uh, that is the whole idea about a distributed system, right? To get to maintain availability, high availability. Like if something goes down, then you know something else can come up. Uh, mm-hmm. you know so that is the idea over there so this can be solved by having let's say okay what we can do is like uh, you know just have a, a, a you know a one single uh, centralized database and uh, that is something like uh, it's a uh, also a very uh, like a not a, a very good approach because uh, if that database you know goes down then thing you know that's 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 called you have a serious serious problem yeah, yeah yeah so that's that was about like consistency availability Now the third thing is known as partition tolerance. What that means is like you have to have a decentralized way of storing a persistent data in a cluster, and uh, this is commonly known as network partitioning. So, for example, in, in simple terms, your cluster should be able to survive the failure of nodes uh, running on the stateful applications. So, when you're talking about like to sum up, uh, when we're talking about like uh, stateful applications, you have to find a balance between these three. So again, like uh, yeah. that is a uh, to, to the last point which is uh, when to use which right which is a very important point so it's because again I, because totally, that's it because that's it is that like yeah. i always try to uh, say this in some ways for some people that are really purists our mm. community i don't think we're trying to put a gun to anyone's head saying it always has to be this or mm. it always has to be that will there mm. be a future maybe where everything is done stately there could be but for the mm. time being i think it's very important to take the use case factor into account yeah. and to not feel like it's one size fits all mm. most definitely and state like state uh, like uh, <clears throat> the stateless applications also like sometimes they trick us right so sometimes like uh, they can uh, even though it's stateless they can save little bit of details about you for example like the http cookies it's a good good example for that but regarding you know using stateful applications specifically like talking about kubernetes so there are so many resources available like pvs uh, like persistent volumes uh, there are volume plugins and there's storage classes and there's stateful states and there's this thing called container storage interface csi so it's basically uh, you know uh, it's a uh, it's a standard to explore to expose the uh, file storage system to containerized workloads and i believe like uh, the the whole uh, uh, i was reading about it like uh, the 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 limitations right why statefulness is not yet over there like it's a work in progress but like it's not as much uh, there with the statelessness right now is because of the uh, let's say your uh, you have some pods and some uh, containers and everything running in a cluster and now you need to scale that up to another cluster so there's this thing of copying the volume from one cluster to another cluster i forgot the name of the projects but i see many people are trying to solve this issue so we're mm-hmm. getting there but uh, regarding to sum up like when to use which one totally like depends on the use case like it totally depends on what kind of app you are building so if you require like uh, uh, if you don't worry about if you don't you know uh, worry about like uh, uh, the state of your application you want like a a quick and temporary solution and things like that so for that stateless is a good way to go but if your app requires like a uh, more memory on what happens from like you know from like one session of your application to another session of your application So in that case, like stateful would be a way to go. Good, but yeah, Very I good. mean, uh, no, yeah. no, no. And the thing is, also, that, yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, this is, you know, we've had, like I said, we've had 36 meetups now at this point. And it's been very, very good to hear all the different voices in all the different situations from folks from, uh, I think we've had 10 to 15 different countries on. And so that's the thing. It's not just that it's a unique situation that's only happened in one place, that more and more people Mm. are having these use cases, are finding these situations where it does make sense. Mm. And so looking at these two things, you know, stateless versus stateful, like I said, the more these conversations come up, the more it seems like, okay, this Mm. isn't just such a crazy idea. There are lots and lots of people that are finding the same, uh, finding the same solutions that that are working. Um, And just Mm. as you've you've explained it very, very well, I'm curious though is, um, and once again, it's because a lot of folks might think like, we're talking to someone who's 22 years old. Um, how is it, you know, that uh, once again, is that perhaps you don't need uh, a PhD or 15 years experience working as, uh, you know, a systems admin or DevOps or SRE or things like that? How did you, I'm just curious, what were the resources that you've, that you've used to learn about this? One of the best resources is the case documentation. It's pretty amazing. And I believe like uh, for DevOps related stuff, Getting hands-on experience is one of the most important things. Doesn't mm. does not matter how many tutorials you are watching, right? If you're not trying out things hands-on, you will not you will not get the feeling. For that, katakota.com is great. Uh, so they have like interactive tutorials. Other than that, uh, running it on your local system that you can use like Minikube and stuff. So Minikube is basically like it will have a cluster on your local machine. You can obviously not for production, but like for testing purposes. So you can try out Minikube on your system. This Cube ADM, for example, for some other things uh, apart from like Minikube. And other than that, there's like cloud providers. So you can also use cloud providers. Uh, so yeah, experimenting with different things, I believe, is very important. So the way I did was uh, everything is available on the Kubernetes uh, documentation, and uh, there's like a tutorial section over there as well. And uh, over there, I was just looking at like various things and. Uh, the docs are really good. And I was trying out, for example, if I'm learning about like, uh, uh, you know, uh, for example, endpoints and uh, ingress, for example, and all these things. So I would, I would probably like read about it and try to apply that in my own application, right? Some simple application that I made. I remember like I first uh, tried to dockerize my, a simple node application, a to-do app I made. <laughs> so just getting started and getting some hands-on experience, uh, this is very important. And regarding resources, no shortage of resources, right? Uh, on YouTube, I see many people have like some amazing tutorials on Kates and uh, DevOps part. And uh, yeah, so just Google on, you can just Google and go to YouTube and stuff and type it out and just, you know, get started with it. And other than that, uh, whatever, this is one more most important point, which is not just for Kates, but in general for learning is whatever you're learning, make sure you apply that somewhere. This is the most important point because uh, this is something like uh, when I'm talking about applying, right? This can be done in many ways. So for example, you're learning web development. So you can make a project, uh, teach someone, conduct a workshop and uh, what else? Write a blog, uh, contribute to some open source project. Uh, so many ways you can contribute. Make a video on YouTube, for example. And for so, example, yeah. in your case, because you are a major, major content creator, when did you start making YouTube videos? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I should probably mention that. I started a YouTube channel like, I don't know, uh, last year, April, March. And uh, it's been like a few months only, relatively new channel. It's called Code for Cause. And basically what we're trying to do is promote open source software uh, among students and other other developers as well. Not just for, initially it was just for students, but now people from various parts of the world are joining. So yeah, uh, that's the whole idea. I'm super close to 50,000 subscribers. So uh, 
it's working. <laughs> we can say it's working. Um, yeah. But I think, but I think it's the same thing is that you realize that you as a user will frequently go to the, to YouTube to look for tutorials to get that kind of info. And that's the thing is that I think for a lot of folks out there, it might seem harder than it really is. Would hmm. you agree? Uh, yeah. The, the thing is like there, uh, I, I can be honest about this. The thing is like, uh, people are struggling with finding the right resources okay. and not just getting started. For example, I get questions in my, we have a channel uh, where a lot of students hang out over there. They are like, hey, can someone suggest me some, One of the, can, this is literally the message I got. <laughs> can someone suggest me the best resource for Kubernetes? That is a very relative term, right? Best means like things work out differently for different people, right? Some people like learning from documentation. Some people like learning from, video tutorials, this is you know, true. totally up to the person. So it's not like there's like a one best tutorial. So I would suggest just get started. And to, if you, the, the, the one thing I want to mention over here is when we're talking about such uh, like getting started with such things, mostly people, what they want is a well-defined, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for here? Content, like first yeah. I need to do this, then this, then this, then this. For that, I would suggest like you can go over to uh, the website, uh, it covers everything in uh, a really nice way. I think that's a good point. And I think it's also, like you said, there are many different ways of learning and that's something that we're trying to do a better job in our community is to provide as many different ways as possible through art, through music, through videos, through, I mean, there are lots of, because yeah, I saw, said, people I saw learn your videos. A lot. <laughs> so people learn, yeah. people learn, because that's the thing, people learn in lots of different ways. And I think that's another thing about communities. And now we can talk about that a little bit more is that what are the resources that community, because like I said, is that I think communities sometimes are just seen in a very strictly technical way. And while mm -hmm. that might be a common, I think that people have in common, I, I think, I personally believe, and I'm curious what you think about this, that you have to add, you should try to add more in order to make it a deeper, a deeper and richer experience. What are the things, because you're involved in lots of different communities, what are things that in your opinion make communities work well? So communities, first of all, have to be inclusive, right? Um, that is a very, very, very important point. Other than that, like, uh, yeah, including uh, inclusiveness also comes with like, you know, having a welcoming, uh, community and, uh, basically you should have like, uh, uh, an action item. For example, if someone is looking at your GitHub repo for your project, so in the readme file, you can definitely mention like, Hey, this is the discord channel or Slack channel or the mailing list that you can join to ask questions. And for example, people also have this like contributing.md file, right. Over there, people mention like, Hey, these are the ways you can get started with the project and uh, these are the ways you can contribute. That's the second thing. The third thing is uh, if I'm talking about specifically, specifically from like the uh, contribution point of view. So having good first issues and welcoming issues on GitHub. Uh, I also want to share like uh, the community I started six, like seven, eight months ago. We're, we're going to be participating in Google Summer of Code this year. So super, super stoked. Very nice. That. Great piece of news and, to hear. Uh, That's good. Yeah. So our projects are basically uh, focused on uh, projects for social good. And we have received a tremendous amount of uh, support from students and like they are now working on the projects and uh, the one of the challenges that we, what, what we face are like so many students, so less issues to work on. Everyone is like, hey, can you assign me this issue? Can you assign me this issue? That is what we're continuously doing where we recently now also are developing a project board where we can uh, also mention like the to-do tasks and in-progress tasks and all these things. So having like a content, like basically you mentioned like having some to-do action item where students can, you know, get involved and showcase like, okay, I can, basically you need, to, in, in your community, you need to have a platform 
where students can you know not just students but like in general community members can reach out and showcase like hey these are my skill sets this is how i can improve and this is how can i help the community and then the inclusiveness inclusiveness part comes in and it's like yeah sure why not kids for example you can contribute to docs release contributor experience testing apis so many things right so there's something for everyone uh so yeah that's what we are also trying to do like we have like separate uh, communities for like documentation and uh, the the social accounts and like uh, the github and like the social projects open source projects and that is what i've seen in a lot of projects as well like in cncf like it's a like very welcoming and just having this platform is basically what i'm saying where people can just get involved and because if someone is getting involved in the community and obviously they want to do something for the community right they want to see like okay how can i contribute and uh, even if they don't want to do something they just uh, are trying to see okay what's going on over here and what are all these amazing things that these people are doing and how can i contribute or you know just people mostly people are also like looking around right mm-hmm. because many people are like okay i'm hearing a lot about kubernetes let's see what all the fuss is about so just looking around in the community and seeing so that's also okay no worries in that so these looking around thing and just uh, discovering stuff for this you need to have that content and that content is something i mentioned already like yeah. you know platforms so, where people can just call, collaborate no i think it's i think it's a really really good point and like you said as well too is that like the the notion of you want to build something make it easy for mm-hmm. people say like you want something to do we've got this list for for people Most that don't have so much experience mm-hmm. and people for that have more experience but I think that's really is being able to plug people into that as quickly as possible. Going back to the subject of data, right? Because like we were talking about stateful, stateless, et cetera, but let's take a step back from that. You know, is that from, from you know, folks with, you know, that, that, are, that are studying that might be a bit younger, I'm curious as to how, how folks that age are introduced to the data space. You can talk about, you know, databases in your experience, what were some of the first databases that you worked with? Uh, simple stuff like uh, Firebase, NoSQL, MongoDB, running in my own applications on my local system, maybe using Cloud Atlas and like uh, MongoDB Cloud Atlas. And yeah, just uh, working with my own like uh, personal projects is uh, what uh, the word I'm looking for is. But yeah, that's how we are introduced, I believe. But uh, uh, again, like- But I think uh, it's also, as you said as well too, is that it's one thing to learn it, but if you really want to learn something, mm-hmm. find a way to apply it, make it stick. Exactly. You know, find something <laughs> yeah. to plug that into because if not, it goes in one ear and goes mm-hmm. out the other. Yeah. So starting with these things at a basic level is totally okay because that's how we start, right? We start with the basic contributions and then we go ahead and see, okay, I know about all these things now. How can I even apply that in a more larger scale? For that larger scale, open source is the good to go. And open source and some nice internships maybe you can do. But uh, if you're, let's say, not getting internships in your initial years of college, open source is great for that. And not just in terms of getting internships in the future and building a networks and connection, but also like, uh, because why do people do internships? Gaining skills and experience, you can get that via open source as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Very, very good. Good stuff. Now, um, as someone who's very active and very busy, I want, we, I want to know, what are your next steps? I mean, I, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but like, and it might be difficult to devise a sort of five-year plan, but based on all the things that you're doing right now, what is it that you would like to be doing more that you'd like to be adding on? Because you've got Code for Cause, you've got Major League Hacking, you've got everything under the sun. You're doing podcasts, you're doing meetups, you're doing all these different things. You're creating content on YouTube. What are the things that you're looking forward to, to, to being involved in the future? Um, what's the next step? And, and also, you know, what do you hope to see other young people doing uh, in, in the future as well? Sure. Uh, that's a good question and uh, really makes me think. <laughs> so uh, future plans, right? Uh, currently, like, uh, 
contributor uh, experience said is very welcoming uh, and uh, we were like uh, it was like my second or third meetup i believe and already i got a task assigned and kaslin has been like uh, really welcoming and helpful so i have a meeting with them like afterwards and probably going to be more actively contributing to kates and other cncf projects um yeah so that is one thing i also want to help out with the community part of various projects like this so recently what i'm doing is uh, there's this program we have started not a program it's more like a series of webinars is currently ongoing so it's called spring of code so basically what that's we did was right yes 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 that's very good yeah, yeah. we'll have to, we'll have so to put some links into that later but yeah go ahead so basically what we're doing is getting open source project maintainers onto our channel and basically we're having like a discussion about what the organization is about what the project is about what is the tech stack they're using you know what are the prerequisites resources how to get started and general stuff like uh, live q and a for example so the whole idea is to get more people involved in their projects so we had like open policy agent we have like tensorflow and like flutter python software foundation projects and like red hat and facebook google uh, so many like uh, in talk i'm in talk with like uh, some people from kates as well uh, doing a session on contributing to kubernetes and it's been received well well received so far by a lot of uh, amazing people and uh, yeah i believe it's a really uh, uh, helping a lot of people in terms of uh, getting started with contributing so yeah the, the, regarding the future plan i'm going to continue uh, with open source and uh, the coding aspect of his of it as well other than that uh, helping out with the community part of a few projects so i have recently also developed a developed an interest in like things like uh, uh, developer advocacy and developer relation devrel stuff so i'm looking forward to learning more about that and uh, what else i'm currently also learning so i'm learning about system system design distributed systems and stuff mm-hmm. um yeah i got a scholarship from linux foundation in their for their system administration course and an exam so i'll probably give that <laughs> uh so shout out to linux foundation for giving me the opportunity other than that yeah um going to work on the youtube channel post more content related to devops stuff i was planning on doing weekly series on like uh more hands on series on various cloud native tech starting mm-hmm. with kubernetes docker and uh system administration and uh, golang for example so yeah uh, looking forward to that But yeah, that's pretty much about it. And in summary, I don't know. Just, you know, two or three minor <laughs> projects. My my question is this as well: is that because uh, we were talking about this before we got started? Um, you know, in your free time, you mentioned one of the things you like to do is going to the mountains. How do you relate the things <laughs> that you like to do in your free time? Apart from that, when you get free time, how do you how do you relate? You know, your things that you have in well, we could say more personal interests or hobbies or things like that, and all the other work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, The, the work i'm doing is remote so we are working remotely most most people are working remotely so that is something i can do from anywhere right uh the reason for my going to different places is just like new delhi gets really humid in winter uh, in su- in summers so uh that is something like and i have a macbook pro 16 inch this gets like 100 degrees celsius in summers <laughs> so i cannot <laughs> i cannot i cannot work in delhi with this laptop so uh i like traveling i like going to new places but uh recently i was not uh, i was not doing it for like a year because of the covid travel safety yeah. and stuff but currently i believe it's like going to nearby places is okay uh following the safety precautions so yeah i mean uh, something sometimes it's also important to you know like take a break you know 
taking a break is important make sure you don't get burn out for example so i when i'm working for a long time or long you know for a continuous amount of time might go you know for two to three days uh, somewhere so relax and uh, <laughs> fuel up and things like that but yeah uh, most of the work like i'm doing is currently i'm like doing the uh, team lead at the major league hacking fellowship so mm-hmm. the ms fellowship is basically a, a a program started by major league hacking to promote uh, uh, it's like a virtual internship alternative and uh, basically students are working on open source projects by my pod particularly facebook and like on more on python data focus so the program is sponsored by github facebook aws and so many other organization dev.2 so my role is basically to supervise contributions in these projects so we have like a stand up daily and yeah i i i recently went on a, a vacation in the mountains like you mentioned so from there i was uh, doing my stand ups and everything so yeah i mean like uh, it's good i mean uh, remote work is working out pretty well so far but like again uh, it's not an option for you know everyone because some people do require to be in person for example my fellow uh, friends who are from branches like mechanical and electrical so they they need more of a hands on experience in the college labs mm-hmm. and stuff for them it's necessary me being from computer science i just need my laptop right and you can be doing it from anywhere but i think i think exactly. it's a really good point what you mentioned is that once again is it like i said it's it's no secret that you're a very very active person but i think it's important to be that active to also have free time like you said to you know recharge mm-hmm. your batteries get a break mm-hmm. avoid burnout time management is important that's mm-hmm. really really important see it's yeah you have to figure out your priorities and there's this uh, table like uh, there's this uh, table called like time management table i forgot the name it has four quadrants it has like urgent not urgent uh, important not important for example something that lies in not important and not urgent i discard that i don't do it uh, so yeah that's uh, something that is important and urgent do it right now so because, because i think that's i yeah. think that's kind of the yeah. thing as well too because what we're saying is that there are so many different ways that folks get involved in open source mm-hmm. projects uh kubernetes etc you don't need to do everything all at once and do it piece exactly. by piece enjoy it mm-hmm. and really enjoy the technical part but also really enjoy the human part of being able to meet you know we met mm-hmm. i don't know how long ago but not that long ago and and through this i you know we'll probably introduce each other to other people they all those things are really really positive so don't just see it mm-hmm. on the technical side like we were saying youtube videos podcast documentation all the things are really really good but also balance that out with the human factor of being able to to meet folks to learn from other people to be able to teach other people um there are lots of opportunities out there mm-hmm. all right so kunal we're we're almost out of time and i just want to know uh we talked about a lot of things um i think uh i i've learned a lot in in the sense of how to be proactive there's no i would say there's no wrong way to start um uh, but you were mentioning as well about you know asking for help getting feedback giving feedback learning how to ask good questions i think those are things that are applicable for young people as well as older people but what would you say is your main message as someone who's involved in so many different things if you had to you know consolidate it into just one thing what's your what's the most important message that you think you could share with our community right now loving what you do is the most important thing because uh, that is the reason i am able to put my hands in so many things at once uh and it's also like if you feel like you're getting burned out then uh you should take it seriously because uh you know it's it's not good if you feel like hey i'm a little burned out this week just take a break set your priorities and you know for the day i would suggest like the way i do it is having long term goals and then having short term goals that reach towards accomplishing that goal and mm-hmm. 
for day to day activities set a realistic goal right i used to make this mistake i was like filling up my to do list for the day i was like oh, today i will do everything i'll just clear all the deadlines and i'll just you know do everything today in the end that does not work out practically you will feel tired and uh, you will feel like okay because you will never, never feel satisfied and that is the point you have to the balance you need to find like okay i'm doing good because every person has their own pace be that with contributing or learning someone learns really fast someone learns slowly it's totally okay just like go with your pace try to see that you're not getting uh, burn out and the most important thing loving what you do is the key to managing things so do make sure that you're having fun like bart mentioned um yeah. open source is great communities are great hopefully when the uh, in person event starts uh, those are fun as well kubecon yes. is a lot of fun you meet a lot of people and uh, yeah i mean uh, that's what i was just do cool i think things. i think it's like, i think it's yeah. i think it's a great message because we talk about you know crazy topics all the time like data pipelines mm. and data resilience and um container attached storage and and all these kind of mm. things but at the end of the day there's a really powerful simpler human message behind all this that i think you just beautifully expressed is that if you love what you do everything else kind of falls into place so make sure that you keep that present too um and in everything in order in order to get the most out of it in order to have that contagious energy that you very much have and that other folks do that are very passionate about what they're doing and it doesn't matter where mm-hmm. they are you you see it and you perceive it um kunal mm-hmm. thank you very very much for your time today this is super interesting we will see each other later in the sig meeting i'll be a little bit late yep. cuz i have something else I have to do um no so you can tell you can tell Matt and the other folks that i'm going to be a little bit late But anyway, cool. uh I don't think this is going to be the last time we're going to have you on our meetup. It was super good to have you here though, and very much looking forward to all the things you're going to be doing. Um any links or things like that you want to share where people can find you mentioned code for cause earlier, major league hacking, YouTube channel, anything else you want to leave folks with before we finish? Very very sure, good. I, yeah, if you want to like I've shared my like Twitter, this this YouTube thing. So, navigate not my YouTube has a lot of stuff going on at the home page. So, to make it more streamline just look at the playlist section so over there like you can there's also like a complete machine learning bootcamp i did it's like i don't know 30 to 40 hours of content full on hands on and yeah so many playlists are over there so it will basically help you in navigating and yeah anytime you can reach out to me uh, if you want to learn about stuff or just you know uh, you know just have a conversation and share something <laughs> or just you know uh, share the good work you're doing getting Uh, started open source contributions and if you want to watch if you want to be a part of the community for example so i'm always open my dms are always open and uh, yeah we're really looking forward to I, i love meeting new people i love hearing their stories so uh don't be shy uh that's the thing is that's exactly why we're here is because <laughs> yeah. you're not shy you're very open and that's why these things happen quickly so yeah. seriously take advantage of it get in touch with kunal very very excited to be with you here today and enjoy the rest of your friday Yeah, thanks a lot Bart for having me and uh this was amazing and yeah, yeah see you later. Bye bye. We'll see you soon. Take care man. Cheers.